It's episode 15 of the Lockdown Canary Club podcast. We're back for another one. We've got Hitchin Town FC awards for the season so far. There's still plenty left, but we're going to look back on how the Canaries have been getting on so far. And then we go worldwide. Have Jeff United maybe turn their fortunes around? Late winner on Wednesday night. Can they build on that though? Scotland, they're in the European Championships, going into England's group. We can't wait to touch on that. And then Ronaldo. Back at Manchester United, is it tenuous speculation or could it actually happen? All coming up on today's Canary Club podcast. I'm alongside Marek Halionic, the man who once drove a mate to Everton for a bet. <laughs> it's true, actually. Yeah, I mean, I... I Can we confess. please hear this story? You told me this one on the way to St. Neots. I think this is brilliant. I, I did, yeah. Well, we was... Um, we were socialising. This was before social distancing, so you could actually have mates around, and we were having a few beers. And uh, the subject got onto football, and I'd, and uh, one of the guys, a bit of a Toffees fan, do you know what I mean? So I was, yeah. he, he said, "Oh, yeah, we used to when I lived up there, we used to do this, we used to do the other." And I said, oh, "Everton's not far." I said, "I'll get you there in what ten minutes." <laughs> and yeah, the guy is like, an Everton out there, yeah, yeah, <laughs> near so, Potton, isn't it? There, there is an Everton near Potton, and uh, and so yeah, well he agreed, and we kind of had a had a fool's bet, and you just for a laugh really more than anything, and uh, yeah, I kind of started winding him up. He's going, no, no, you can't get me to Everton. You're choking. What, what you got, jet or something? Or you know, we was having like loads of spe- and just laughing, drunk talk, and uh, and then we went for it. You know, I said, I said, no, seriously, I'll get you to Everton in about ten minutes, and uh, yeah, we made it in just under nine. So, so he actually could have thought you were going all the way to Everton. He still got in the car anyway and could have taken that, what, three or four hour journey, if not longer. Yeah, I think he would have pre- preferred that we took him all the way up to uh, to Liverpool. Uh, yeah. Should I say Liverpool when it's an Everton fan? No, maybe. Um, I think so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah no I mean it, it was all it was all done in the in the uh, I have to also add here that I'm not much of a drinker so um, for me getting in the car and driving it's not like we weren't paralytic and endangering lives you know I'd I'd had half an ale I'm really not a drinker but I don't mind socialising and people have got to enjoy themselves you know. There we go. You've got many more stories I think we'll touch on over the next few weeks of oh, lockdown don't. anyway. <laughs> we, we've got to. They're as bad as that anyway. One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I thought I, when we heard that, I thought we've got we've got to do that on the podcast at some point. But sure. um, here we go. So Hitchin Town award of the season so far. Hitchin tenth in the league, ten points from seven games. And obviously they went out and stole that three-one win Great. against Herndale in the FA Trophy. I Great mean, game. that was a good way to end end the temporary season so far. Anyway, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, and welcome back, Charlie Horlock again. Like I've mentioned, you know, if it weren't for that man, we we, we wouldn't have uh, picked up the points there. Um, so yeah. Good to see him back and in fine fettle. And uh, yeah, what a way to go out. It really was. We, we enjoyed it, didn't we, Freddie? Oh, it was excellent, but yeah, as you said, Horlock at the end was so so good, and then you've got that Alex Marsh goal as well, he's the coolest man on the pitch, but we'll get into these awards, so I've got a few categories that we can basically debate about, I've put a few nominations in there and we'll talk about them, but yeah. I mean, we'll start with, with best player, and for me, it's Callum Stead, the man's been an absolute revelation, turned up from Welling, I remember him in that Ampton game, we were saying, look, this kid's quite good, yeah. arrived from arrived from Welling Garden City, thrashed us last year, pretty much single-handedly uh had trials at hitching as a kid uh, and then i think went to went to the luton youth setup but yeah. the amount of goals he's been scoring how good has he been yeah i mean he's, he's been uh, imperative hasn't he for for the success of, of hitching town and i mean pair him up with uh, with another very close contender in my eyes of luke brown um i mean they they 
have found this little link. And I mean, now, recently, even more recently, you're getting Marshy in there and... Um, you know, well, listen, go and have a listen to the Luke Brown interview and you'll see we we kind of play around with sort of front four combinations. Uh, and, and I think you, you could pretty much go across that that three of them front four and just say that they've them guys have been absolutely imperative. But definitely, definitely since Callum Stead has arrived, the goals have gone up. Um, best result. Now, I know we've had some bad results that we could easily pick up, but yeah. the two worst results were the away defeat. It, sorry, Washington. sorry, Fred, is this, is this best result or worst result? Best result, but I'm going to talk about it because it came on the back of actually two bad results. <laughs> so we obviously went away to Rushton and lost 7-1. That's the, uh, probably the Sin- worst. Yeah, definitely. And then the St Albans, the 5-0, where we actually played f- quite well, yeah. had no luck in the end. But after that, Saturday afternoon at top field, a packed top field, a two-all draw against Leicester, we were, I think we were 2-0 down anyway, yes, but we uh, with that late header from Laurie Marsh, I think that definitely was our most important result of the season. I mean, to bounce back from those two defeats in some style with that late equaliser as well, I thought that was superb. Yeah, I mean, great. We, we were penned in three defeats, weren't we? You know, and then and um, yeah. like we say, I think uh, we heard <coughs> we heard Brett um, at half time giving them some toast and that, and um, out they came. And it was a little bit, um, and, and you know, it was a little bit sort of weak at first, I think. And then, like you say, we found a vein of form and 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 pulled it back to two all. So definitely, uh, definitely one of the better recovery games. I think that was one of the first, it might even have been the debut for Sam and Dan, the two new defensive players. And yeah. I mean, I've got one category here for an unsung hero. And I think Sam Akoya Hanaku really takes that crown because he's come in and he's just looked like he's been playing in the back five, for, in the back four, sorry, for ages at top field. And he's just done so well. He's been so composed at the back. And even when others around him, like Ben Wolster and Webb have been getting injured, he's just come in, done the business and he, he He's a very quiet defender. You don't really notice he's there a lot of the time, but the way he just patrols the back, I think he could easily play in defensive midfield as well. He acts in almost a sweeper role. Yeah, yeah. No, I get, I get what you said, but and 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 his uh, and his counterpart, partner in crime, who, 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 who Dan as well. Um, I've, I've, forgive me, Dan. I can't remember your your last name and pronounce it. Apart yeah. from I've got a, a team sheet in front of me for now, but uh, that's that's a thing that happens when you're sixty. But um, he he's come in as well, and he's done absolutely brilliant down that down that right hand side. And uh, like I say he's put the pressure on. Uh, you know, and and the same with Sam, he's put the pressure on as well. So people, there's, there's competition for places now, and I think them. It's going to be hard to shift, if I'm honest. Definitely. Any other underrated player you think who maybe doesn't get the the airtime maybe on our radio coverage that you think he should? Caldicott Stevens, probably uh, midfielder. Um, I, I think he's a great player. I don't know why he's not starting more often. Yeah, I get it. I get we've got Smith and we've got Lewis Barker in there, but um, Lewis Barker didn't have his best games the last couple of times I've seen him. He's I've seen him better than that. Um, and Smith is very hot and cold. You never know what you're going to get. And um, so I think given that option there, uh, I, I think um, he, you know Cody Cot Stevens stands a chance of getting in. I can't I can't see why he's not getting more starts, but. Hey. Man of the match in that Barnet game as well, if you remember, and, and yeah. everyone was like, whoa, Marek, that's a bit of an interesting decision. Yeah. But 
and we had a couple of people say, well, actually, despite Callum still going and scoring two great goals, he was so good in that midfield goal he got Stevens. Yeah. And then first game of the season, he d- he doesn't start. So you wonder, you know, you wonder why Mark doesn't favour him. Yeah, there, well, there must be a reason. I mean, you know, Mark knows what he's doing. And um, yeah, I, 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 I'm just one of those guys. I guess it comes from from me being uh, predominantly a goalkeeper. Uh, and and that, and that is that man of the match always goes to the guy that scores the goals. You know what I mean? And it's, uh, I don't like that, to be honest with you. Sometimes, yeah, they deserve it. And they've been absolutely amazing and blinding. And there's no two ways about it. And putting it in the back of the net is their duty. And it's a great skill and stuff like that. But also, it's on the battlefield where I see um, the potential man of the match, man of the battle, you know, the soldier of the battle. It's, it takes place in the midfield, do you know what I mean, for me. And, uh, and, and as you know, Caldecott Stevens played an absolute blinder. Uh, another award here, uh, surprise success. And I've given this to Laurie Marsh because um, we saw him on his debut against Leverstock, came on uh, at half-time, I think. We were a bit confused, obviously, because of the twins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we thought one of them was supposed to be injured. But, I mean, he, he is a midfielder. He doesn't like to play centre-back, as we've said on numerous times. Yeah. But he's, he's a great centre-back. And maybe apart from that Russian game, which is a bit of an anomaly for everyone, yeah, he's done so well in defence. And then when he steps into midfield, the Leicester game being a perfect example when he headed home that late equaliser. I mean, I think nobody really expected for him to be so good. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we, we had a chat with Alex, didn't we? And we said, you know, you've got a brother and blah, blah, blah. What's it? And then Alex mm. actually confessed he's probably the better player of the two of them. Yeah. So um, I don't know if that's just yeah. brotherly love. Yeah, but um, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I took that on board and I, and I thought to myself, well, let's let's have a look at the lad. You know what I mean? Especially uh, when news of his arrival at Itchin, um, we, we got news of his arrival at Hitchin. I mean, I was very uh, intrigued to see, um, to see what the man had. And... Um, well, we saw him as a defender, didn't we, first? And then we saw him as a, a as a winger, right? Am I right? Well, most recently we saw him as a winger, anyway. And I'm not sure Berkey was too sure uh, with his performance, anyway. Compared him to Josh Bickerstaff at one point, he got okay. them mixed up. It's just funny. But, yeah, I mean, he, he is a midfielder. But as you said, with Cordy, got Stephen Smith, Barker, the list goes on. Yeah. I mean, maybe he doesn't start in midfield. but And they tried him on the wing. I don't think we'll see him on the wing again, but... You know, definitely a utility player. He could challenge Absolutely. really at any position. Absolutely. I mean, even if um, I mean, again, we're talking about defensive and holding midfielders. Maybe that's a role that uh, if we go two nil up, we can sort of start to maybe sort of close the door and and, and bring um, Laurie Marsh on as as a as a more of a holding player because we know he can play defensively. We know he can play attacking football as well. But uh, I think I think where he shines really is is as a defensive player, even in the midfield or as a as a holding midfield. So he's got he's got those options, you know. If we if we want to do and change up the squad and change up the the, the formation, sorry, um, I think Laurie Marsh is a key member of the uh, of the squad in that respect. Definitely right. We'll liven it up a bit now because yeah. we've got a funniest moment award. Now I know it's always a lot for me. We'll interview Mark Burke and Brett Donnelly, but. I mean, there's only one contender for the Funniest Moment Award. Marek, you've got a bit of commentary to play. Let's listen to the commentary and let's talk about this. Here we go. Battering of away games too, and we bring you full uh, ball-by-ball coverage of all of these games. And it's great to have you on board listening in. Here if we you go, are here, we go. here for Green's the first the time, attack. Jack Green, he's got Brett Donnelly in front of him. Oh, Green Green. <laughs> oh my it, God. It, oh, it does bounce into the allotment. It's yeah, gone that's... over the fence behind the car. That is just about one of the worst shots I may have ever seen in my time commentating. Quite possibly. That's 
there you go. <laughs> we can hold that there, can't we? I can't stop laughing listening to that. <laughs> I, I tried to find it the other day. It took me ages to find it, but there we go. A bit of, bit of commentary there from the Hitchin Green to Hitchin Yellows game, which is available as a podcast it as well. Sure um, but there we go, Jack Green. And he actually had a good shot, I think, in the second third. It's just tipped round the post by Charlie Horlock. Green said after it was the best shot he'd ever had. Right. <laughs> Followed by the, well, after following up from the worst shot he's ever had. It was incredible. I mean, not many people have had the skill to be able to get it out the ground with a shot. You see many clearances go that way. I think Ben Wolster put a penalty in butts close he once. Did, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a laugh yeah. about that as well. But the, the thing about Greeny, right, is, is as, as I remember it, he'd like... He'd like beaten the whole defence and he'd come from the mid midfield kind of position. Do you know what I mean? And he'd just like, he'd just danced his way through and he and then the easy bit and he skied it. It was just like, oh, Jack. His left foot as well. I mean, for, for a right-footed player to use his weak foot and still yeah. get it out of the ground and fall yeah. over in the process, it was it's amazing. It's a talent, isn't it? Yeah, definitely was. Um, now, we, we talked about Colby Cox Stevens, and yes, I've got one award to say, and someone who we would like to see a bit more of. And now, I put Steve Cawley as well as Josh Colby Cox Stevens. Yeah. Well, again, if you go and have a listen to the Luke Brown interview, but I will just have a little, uh, little you know, reminisce of it. We, we were talking about having uh, a possible front four of um, Alex Marsh down the right hand side, Luke Brown in the centre. Callum Stead out on the left-hand side and uh, and Steve Cawley up front. Now, um, I think Steve Cawley is a, a great player and what, and what he uh, what he does in the team is, is irreplaceable, really. I mean, he's not a predominant, prolific goal scorer. He knows where the back of the net is and he can score goals. But uh, he's, he's more about winning the ball in, in difficult situations and laying it off, holding the ball up uh, and playing people in. He does that superbly. Who do you think's been the most consistent player in the Hitchin squad? Good God, uh, Charlie Orlock probably. That's who I've gone for as Is well. It? Okay, well there you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great minds. I think we'll leave it there. He's been so good, and yes. he, he's just Mister Irreplaceable. But one bit of news: uh, Josh Mollison has been on dual registration with Potton United. He's going to be coming back. So after lockdown, might be seeing maybe a bit more of Josh Mollison, which I would assume mean that uh, means that Tin and Parker's gone back to Luton after that little loan spell. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't see much from Tin and Parker. Um, that made me think he could replace Mollison uh, at all as a as a reserve keeper. But you want to be playing games, don't you? Especially, I mean, I most, not most, all of my career as a goalkeeper was spent on a bench. So I I know uh, that feeling. You know what I mean of trying to break through and trying to break through. And as a goalkeeper, it, it's really difficult. You know, it's the only sort of place on the on there. So I mean. In that in that sense, I don't know how Mollison feels about being you know being the reserve yeah. keeper. I know him and Charlie get on really well, which is obviously useful because you will get these goalkeepers. Do you, do they become like a tight knit group with the amount of training they do with each other? Even though there's only one who can start every game. Yeah, I mean, of course, because you're training, you're training with the keepers. I mean, depends on it. Usually there's two, but sometimes there's three and four. I know when I was training at Luton, proper Luton, when they were in the Division One, not the Premiership, um, <clears throat> there was there was more than there was more than four goalkeepers around. So the you know yeah, there was a group of you and you changed and swapped ideas you had a laugh uh, and you got on with your work and and you knew at the end of the day you you know you're not starting do you know what I mean you know you're probably not going to make the bench you know you're probably going to end up playing with the reserves or being on the bench at the reserves but back in my day which is the 70s you know when dinosaurs roamed the earth it, it didn't really matter do you know what I mean it didn't matter because you was you was there really for the team and I'd like to think that that's sort of 
very, very, very similar to today's game. You know that you you know the score and you know that you know you're going to be on the bench and it's unlikely that you're going to get brought. I mean, who subs goalkeepers halfway through a match? I don't know anyone. Yeah, you know, no, it doesn't happen. No, no. but you know. Yeah. Yeah, Talking of goalkeepers, yeah. don't worry. David Marshall uh, for Scotland. We're going to touch on Scotland quickly because David Marshall saving Alexander Mitrovic's penalty, uh, two consecutive shootout wins against Israel uh, and then Serbia, who are a decent side, yeah, a lot of are. good players. And Scotland, Marek, they are in the Euros for the first time since 1998. Do you Get remember much there. from that year? From 1998, do <laughs> I don't remember a lot. Actually, it was a very good year. Um, yeah, but now good to see, good to see Scotland back in and. And, uh, and and you know I think they belong there. To be fair, uh, they they play a, a very um, hard game of football. If 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 you know what I mean by that, I mean everybody works hard. I mean it's it's a hard working team. There's no big huge standout superstars in the team, but they are a good solid team. And um, <clears throat> and like you say, yeah, the, the, I mean the the goalkeeping. Um, skills are, are absolutely brilliant I, I don't think I mean I, I hesitate there because I don't particularly think Mitrovic is that good really to be honest sorry Fulham fans yeah. but um, I, I, <laughs> I think you can do better he's a very good championship striker but he, he don't cut it at higher levels now, one thing I found a bit interesting, you look on social media and, and on the radio and stuff, a lot of England fans are really pleased that Scotland beat Serbia. I think there is that almost feeling that all that we want, all the home nations to do well. But, yeah. I mean, by the time Scotland and England meet in the Euros, it's not going to be like that. These two no. sets of fans do hate each other. There's a lot at stake. But we really hope fans will be at Wembley as well for that game, even if it's a limited number. Yeah, I mean, you know, if they can do it. They're still, um, they're still doing it in Japan, as we know. Um, and uh, you know we we can hope, can't we? I mean, I I wrote this year off right at the beginning of it. I said this this year is gone to me. It's dead because it's gonna you know I mean it, it's gonna end up where it's ended up. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but I think with with sensible people and sensible social distancing and proper organisation to to adhere to the rules, uh, I think it's possible. Yeah, and I, and I think it would make a difference. That's why that's why, with respect, we've got teams like Southampton at the top of the league now because they don't rely on the. You know, I mean, you go to Southampton, it's never really you're not going to get screamed at by mercenaries on the front road as you're trying to. You know what I mean? Mm. It's it's not like going to Wolves or somewhere like that. You Millwall, Millwall, Millwall. Yeah. Um, so, you know, or even Newcastle, you know, where expectation, I mean, Newcastle are going to do better than before because there's no fans there demanding that their team do brilliantly and win everything. And, you know, so in some cases, it, what I'm saying is in, in some cases it's helping, it's helping teams to, you know, play better because it's just like playing on a training pitch. And I think that'd be really sad if it happened in a, in a sort of a, a Euro forward slash world kind of t- tournament. I think we, we can get over this and do something about it. Hopefully. Uh, the group, anyway, is, I think, Group D, uh, England, Czech Republic, Croatia and Scotland. Now, cool. do you give Scotland yeah. a chance of getting out of that group? You know how good Croatia are. World yeah. Cup finalists a couple of years ago, Czech Republic with some decent players as well, maybe seeing yeah. better days. But, yeah. I mean, it's a tough group and almost all of them could could go through and could not. It's going to be a tight one. I would love to see England and Scotland go through. Um, I didn't, I mean, I, I sat and watched England last night and... Uh, you know they're very near at the moment you know England they just don't seem to um, and again I'm not one of these people that have great expectations and think that England should win absolutely anything um, because I don't think we've got the squad at the moment to go and win this competition Um, but of course I want us to do well and I would like 
Scotland to come out of there as well. But I've also got, heaven knows where it's come from, I think it's their fans really, <laughs> but I've got a little soft spot for Croatia as well. Um, they're a very hard team, you know what I mean? They will, they're leg-breaking quality, the team, you know, they do get stuck right in. But I think they're also... Oh, it's a great midfield as well, Kovacic, Rakitic and Modric. I mean, right. that's a lot of talent in that midfield. Mandzukic up front as well. Absolutely. Uh, and Ante Rebic as well. I mean, you you know what the, the last few letters of their names are going to be for all of the players yeah. anyway. It, itch and scratch. But um, I think I think Croatia are a team that uh, not rely on their fans, but it's it's um, it's a very fan strong sort of team, uh, and I'm not sure how they're going to stand up playing in an empty stadium. Uh, for me, one thing I love about Croatia fans is Croatia is the number one ranked side in water polo. They've got a lot of success in that, so a lot of the fans will wear water polo caps okay. uh, with the Croatia colours of the white and of the white and red squares, which to like anyway, it's a fact for you there. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah, we'll, we'll go around that. the world now. Before we get, uh, go into Canaries worldwide, that Luke Brown interviews have listeners from around the world. Anyway, uh, so now our podcast listeners we have from Britain, USA, Canada, Germany, Australia, Japan. Singapore, Australia, uh, Austria, sorry, mm. South Africa, New Zealand, and Portugal. So that is just amazing to get all of these people listening in. Uh, so please do get in touch and let us know where you're listening from. Absolutely. Even if you're in Britain, we want to know where you're listening from. We'll give you a shout out as well. But it's amazing that we got we're reaching all of these people. Very popular in America, thanks to Luke. Anyway, yeah, I think I think Luke's made the difference in America. But Singapore, that was one that jumped out at me. I was like, Singapore, really? Okay. Okay. <laughs> come on, you French, Spanish, where are you? Portuguese, come on, yeah. get on board. Man. We, got, we, we want got some more Portugal. Euro fans. Yeah, we, we got, got a Portugal. Portugal. Okay, yeah. oh, great. Well, we got a Portugal one. And, uh, and yeah, even maybe Russia and Latvia get some of those in there as well. So uh, we'd like to, Yeah, we'd like to get them from all seven continents, wouldn't we? If someone fancies popping down to Antarctica and having a listen. Yeah. Um, but, we, we, yeah, we're not far. We're not far off at all. We just need someone from South America. Okay. Okay. Uh, and yeah, just South America by the looks of things. Brilliant. So hopefully, but uh, Canaries World, Canaries Worldwide. Anyway, it really is. Uh, we hope hopefully that can get boosted as well. But listener numbers doing good too. We'll we'll keep going on about it all day. Yeah, uh, Canaries Worldwide uh, international break. Uh, but we've still got some Japanese sides and sides in Spain playing too. Uh, Brazil beat Venezuela one 0 thanks to Roberto Firmino's goal uh, in the World Cup qualification. So Brazil actually ranked third in the world uh, behind Belgium and France, and then England a fourth. So a win for Brazil. They're playing Uruguay uh, on. Tuesday, it should be a good game. Uh, in Japan, FC Gifu lost uh, yeah. 1-0 to a team I'm not going to try and pronounce. Blaubitz Akita. Blaubitz Akita. Yeah. Oh, there we go. So, um, Gifu remaining three points off the automatic qualification spots and they're sixth in the league. It's really tight up the top in the J3. It is in J3, yeah. Um, hopefully, like I say, hopefully Gifu get, get promoted. That'll be great. Uh, and then Jeff United, you are happy about this one. On Wednesday, we've got a couple of their games to talk about. Yeah. A 3-2 win over uh, Matsumoto Yamaga. That's well done. Yeah, that no, you done, you done well. Yeah, Yamaga. Get in. Yeah, yeah get in. There, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's a super sub, as you put, getting the winner on Wednesday, 92nd minute. I mean, that's a great way to return to form, isn't it? Getting a late winner, the fans would have loved that. And it's a great way to turn your fortunes around. Yeah, I mean, I, I know the Jeff United fans very well. I mean, I'd give a shout out to Kota if you're 
you're ever listening or if you ever listen to here, he's also a fantastic bass player as well. Um, and yeah. his, his brother used to be the, the megaphone man. So the guy that stands at the front oh, of the really? megaphone and says, right, come on, go Jeff United. And then everybody screams, go Jeff United. So uh, happy days. Yeah, so but they, they'd have been absolutely delighted. They'd have been jumping and bouncing around. Uh, and, and then yesterday, we go and stick it all over uh, Niigata as well, Albirex. Um, mm. Beating them 2 0. So finally, a bit of good fortune. You move up to 15th, two wins yep. on the bounce of the Japanese Canaries. So, yeah, happy times, really. Can they keep the momentum up? Let's hope uh, so. That's, that's the question. Japan's national team, by the way, uh, the goal for Minamino of Liverpool. I know yep. your wife, Hannah, likes him a lot, Minamino. Yeah, it's that Japanese connection, I think, when she when yeah. she does fantasy football and she's in the same league as all of us, as you know. Um, she did have Minamino in, in the squad, but she's tossed him out and got gone for Jota no loyalty <laughs> well if, you, if you're not getting a game it's like having Man City players in your, in your team you never yeah. know who's going to play apart from De Bruyne maybe you know um, and in Spain, we had the Battle of the Spanish Holiday Resorts as Las Palmas beat Tenerife uh, 1-0 in the second division. Las Palmas move up to 10th. Uh, so one last thing really we'll touch on. It's quite a big story. I mean, obviously you get all this transfer speculation in the international break. Yeah. Um, but the one story I know you wanted to talk about is potentially a return to Manchester United for Cristiano Ronaldo. So yeah. according to ESPN Argentina and Fox Sports journalist Christian Martin, United have already begun on negotiations to sign Ronaldo at the end of the season so the Portuguese left United in 2009 after pre propelling the Red Devils to three straight league titles um, this is what he said in 2014 some players I'm still in contact with because when I was there I created a good relationship with everybody not just the players all the staff around and it was like my second family there too so I'll not forget that the people treat me well I'll not forget could it happen well, I, I mean, yeah, maybe it can happen. Do you know what I mean? But I just think that this is one of those desperate measures from Oli. Um, you know what I mean? He's, he's, the fans works, are getting it against it. Well, will it? Um, I, I mean, you know, the, he's, he's, he's up against it. The fans are, are almost screaming for his retirement and, and his resignment. And, you know, uh, he's got to do something. And, and what better way to do it than to bring back an old superstar? You know, um, it, it, we've seen it kind of work for Tottenham, but... There's a big difference between Mourinho uh, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I think some players go on to make great managers and some players don't. I mean, let's face it, Fred, here's, here's a thing for you and for you listeners, right? Tell me what you think about this. Man United fans especially, I know, I know many. I've uh, got many Man United fr friends. But um, if Alex Ferguson had this team, he'd be winning the league with them. I think so. That's a great statement. Right? Uh, uh, that is interesting. You know, I like to compare it to some of Ferguson's older teams, but, but I do he's think done it with I do think teams. I think you're making a good point there, but I mean, it's an interesting one of the Solskjaer because I was really, really apprehensive when he got the job. The man's been yeah. at Molde in Norway, been mid-table there. I mean, Arsenal thumped Molde the other day and they would probably play better then than when they had Solskjaer in charge. Yeah. And when he was at Cardiff, he was really a flop and yeah. he, I think he took them into the championship in the end. And then because he's an ex-United player, he, he's got the job. But the last few years, I'm sure it's becoming more common ex-managers getting the job. We've seen, you know... Lampard at Chelsea and maybe yeah. that has worked you know he's had a lot of money there kind Arteta of worked, at Arsenal mm, as again. well the success is yet to be seen yeah. I think it's too early to judge that really but yeah. early success anyway um, but uh, I mean 
With Solskjaer's United, been surely. there long enough. He's been there long enough to make a to make a dent in that in that you know the team, and they're, and they're sitting they're sitting. <laughs> Well, you know where they're sitting, near, right near the bottom of the table. And that for Man United yeah. fans are probably pulling their hair out and screaming because they're not used to it. They're not used to being it's down there very, this close to Christmas. It's crazy. It's been an interesting season, though, because obviously they've yeah. had some great wins in Europe, beating Leipzig 5-0, beating PSG, where no one gave them much of a chance. And then in the Premier League, they've been super inconsistent. But I do think they played quite well against Everton the other day as well. But as you said, the players are definitely there. Yeah, the players are there. There's just something that's not quite working. And bringing Ronaldo in, is that going to solve all problems? No, I don't think so. It's, all he's going to do where, is suck Where would he play? Out. Would he play as a, as a number nine? I mean, would you have him, Rashford and Marshall or Greenwood? Or I mean, because the, the man wants the ball. You know, he's he going to get yeah. the attention. But well, he's a right winger, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's still very quick as well. So yeah. I mean, would be a fearsome, would be fearsome in a front three. I still think that if if they got him in a year or two, even two years. I, I mean, they had Ibrahimovic, didn't they, a couple of years ago, and he yeah. still scored goals. And yeah. I think Ronaldo, he's still a, he's still a quality player. I think he would do well. Yeah. Third season at Juventus, would he go there? I, I I wouldn't write it off, but I don't think just yet. I think with you know with the pandemic, United, you know, they are in debt. Juventus also struggling because of COVID and yeah. maybe you'll see a, a very rich club from somewhere else come in for him but I still think he's he's good enough to play at the top level until he's about 37, 38, 39 I really do Okay so a bit, a bit like uh, Gon Nakamura in Japan at 52 you can yeah. see uh, Ronaldo running around playing for Barnsley or something He's only halfway there Ronaldo He is going, mate. Yeah, and on. the rest he's, he's more than halfway there mate um, Yeah no of course uh, the man's quality uh, comes well very well documented um, but is it the right move for Manchester United well if you're listening to the podcast and you think it is or you think it isn't we'd love to hear from you about that one I personally I don't think it's the solution to their problems I think it's time for Ollie out and uh, somebody else to step in there we go interesting debate here on the Canary Club podcast uh, one date for your diary uh, Thursday at 7pm if you're on Instagram at Max Ryan Music it's live with Max and he's got me on the singer-songwriter he's going to talk fo- uh, football and music with me 7pm uh, on his Instagram at Max Ryan Music we'll also have Matt Furness coming on talking about his work at Opta uh, and his charity running uh, for the Trussell Trust to support uh, the children of the UK who unfortunately haven't been fed uh, by our current Disgusting. government, Matt, doing brilliant work there. Uh, keep donating to him. Uh, big shout out to him anyway. So 7pm uh, at Max Ryan Music on Instagram. And also our podcast, which you do with Tyler of at, at Amptil Army, that is at 145 plays. Can we push it to 150? So after you listen to this, go and listen to that. And then Luke Brown, that one's nearly 100 as well. That's at 96. Cool. So we've got a couple. We're almost at these milestones. So please Please go and listen to them if you haven't yet. Keep supporting the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this one as well. Uh, and we're hoping to possibly get Brett Donnelly on next week. So keep your ears peeled because that will be a cracker. We will have some <laughs> debates with him about football. That's all shouting. Uh, we can carry over. We'll talk to him about hitching, uh, get all the gossip on what's going on in the dressing room from Brett. He's an honest man. He always speaks his words. So he's always good to talk to. Absolutely. There we go. Another Canary Club podcast. Marek, always a pleasure to talk to you. We'll get this one out and uploaded for everyone to listen to. Thanks a lot for your time. And for yours too, Freddie. Stay safe, man.